Just a warning, this episode contains some graphic descriptions of injuries and won't be suitable for everyone. She was in school and everything was fine with him. He will go to work and come back by 12 p.m., then back to school. He was going to school one Saturday when the soldiers from Sector 8 sixed him close to Custom, just like that. They had caught him, but he didn't hear. Then they went after him and asked him to enter the vehicle. He was taken to the room in Custom and was kept there. Welcome to Vestiges of Violence, a weekly podcast about personal stories of violence victims. For Human Angle, I am Hamida. The worst part about the insurgency in Northeast Nigeria is that victims never really know the brand of trauma they would face. The Fanami family's nightmare started with the disappearance of their son, Barnum, and his eventual return, but in a vegetative state. When her young boy was picked up by the Nigerian military nearly 10 years ago, Yaamsa Fanami was advised to give up trying to look for him because she could be killed alongside her son. Bana Osman was only 17 at the time. He was arrested close to the University of Meiduguri Teaching Hospital in Borno State's capital city. He was a student of Shehosan Dakari Mi Secondary School. After a frantic search, she later found out he had been taken to the Giwa Military Detention Center, located on the outskirts of Meiduguri. Military detention facilities in areas ravaged by the Boko Haram insurgency often indefinitely hold people suspected to be members, allies, or sympathizers of the terror group. Many were arrested arbitrarily during mass arrest in Meiduguri or after their communities, formerly seized by Boko Haram, were recaptured by the Nigerian army. So, it is common to find detainees with no affiliation whatsoever to the terror group. For almost five years, Yaamsa and her husband, Osman, did not hear a word about their son, Baana. And then, in the early hours of Friday, March 14, 2014, Boko Haram insurgents, led by Mustafa Chadi, one of the terror group's commanders, stormed the detention center and staged a daring jailbreak. Hearing about the jailbreak, his mother embarked on another search for her young boy. She went to Jidari Polo, Modukanari, and other places where former detainees were killed and saw about 50 corpses. But Baana was not among them. She gave up and returned home. Then Baana's sister heard on the radio that some people were taken to the hospital after the National Human Rights Commission got involved. She visited the hospital 
and met her brother in a terrible condition. The injuries we saw on his leg alone, three of his toes were cut off. Because of the trauma, he is no longer sane. If you put clothes on him, he will remove it. He does not talk, he does not do anything. We went to a psychiatric hospital, then I got tired and left it. We spent three months in the hospital looking after him. He later got better, but became mentally ill. So we took him to a psychiatric hospital and stayed there for a month and came back, but he is still mentally sick now. Bana's mother said representatives of the National Human Rights Commission visited their house and promised to urge the government to take responsibility for his treatment. That was two years ago. Nothing has since been done to fulfill that promise. His condition is very bad. He can't even wear trousers and a shirt. If it is possible, let them take us to someone that will treat him. We went to Abuja and he suffered. He was walking, a very smart boy. He was a complete person but they chopped off his fingers and made him useless. He throws stones at people and often causes problems with our neighbors. If I'm not around, my small girl will clean and bathe him. Even eating food, he doesn't know. We have to feed him. Bana is now incapable of basic tasks. He urinates in the open and sometimes throws feces at co-tenants and passers-by causing neighbors to isolate the family and treat them with contempt. Ya Amsafa Nami hopes the government will either ensure her son's full recovery or provide safer accommodation for them. This was an episode of Vestiges of Violence, a weekly podcast about personal stories of violence victims. This episode was written by Anita Eboibu, edited by Osato Edobayi, and produced by Appa Toko. Our senior producers are Osato Edobayi and Anita Eboibu. Translation by Murtala Abdullahi, Okechuku Praise, and Hafsa Abubakar. The executive producer is Ahmed Selkida. For more stories, go to humanangle.ng and find more episodes wherever you are listening to this podcast. I am Hamida.